Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Borland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. This month we are focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Now let's turn together in our Bibles to explore what God has shared with us about gratitude. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when, many, for when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one that you must fear. Today is a fitting day for us to bring to an end the first half of our sermon series through the book of Ecclesiastes. And the reason for that, this is one of those sections where the preacher in Ecclesiastes does something very unique. He's been working his way, taking a look at life under the sun. He's been talking about the vanity of life under the sun. And there are a couple times where it is like the clouds part and the preacher speaks to us a word from heaven. And this is one of those times. Fear God, he says. Fear God. That's the title of the sermon today, and that's the main point in what we have before us this morning. Fear God. Not only does he tell us to fear God, he also gives us a great deal of wisdom in Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 through 7. He gives us a lot of wisdom for living this life under the sun. And um, he talks about how we can make the most of this fleeting, mysterious, and beautiful life that God has given to us under the sun. And the wisdom that he gives to us in these seven verses of the book here is extremely applicable to us this morning because he speaks to those who go to church. Here's what one commentator, Derek Kidner, says. He says, the writer's target in this passage is the well-meaning person who likes a good sing and turns up cheerfully enough to church, but who listens with half an ear and never quite, get, never quite gets round to what he has volunteered to do for God. So the target this morning in this passage of scripture is for those of us who are in church, which means that this is relevant to everyone who's sitting here right now. And you know, it's also relevant to those who are joining us by the live stream this morning. Let me talk to you also. I'm going to look in the camera. This is relevant for you too, all of us. Everyone who can hear my voice, who is either in the sanctuary worshiping or listening in through the live stream, this is relevant to all of us because it's talking about going to church and being in the presence of God 
And the message in this portion of scripture is extremely simple. It's a challenge, but it's very simple. Here's the message of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 1 through 7. First, watch your mouth. Second, do your work. And third, fear God. That's simple enough, isn't it? Watch your mouth, do your work, and fear God. And it's helpful because our time this morning is short, so let's jump into the first of those three. Watch your mouth. First, the first portion of this passage of Scripture talks about watching our mouth. Let me read these first three verses again so that we can get a sense of what the passage is saying to us. Guard your steps, says verse 1, when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. So the first verse here is saying that it is good to come into the presence of God. And when you come into the presence of God, you should expect to listen. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. The sacrifice of fools would be saying too much, speaking too much, being foolish with your, with your words. It becomes clear in verse 2. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Don't be quick to say anything before God. Why? Because he is in heaven and you are on earth. Talking too much gives the appearance that you've arrived, that you've accomplished it all, but you have not. None of us have. You have not. I have not. Therefore, we are to let our words be few. For as a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice comes with many words. A fool's voice comes with many words. Where there is a great multiplication of words, there there is foolishness. If you are multiplying your words, you are very likely acting the fool. You know, concise, famous quotes help us in this regard. Have you ever heard that one? It's attributed to a lot of different people, sometimes to Abraham Lincoln, sometimes to Mark Twain. Nobody really knows who said, who said it first. But here it is. Here it is. It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? That's a good one. That is a good quotation. And that's what the preacher is saying here, where there is a multiplication of words, There you are acting the fool. Even better is James chapter 1 verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, says James. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. When you come into God's presence, you come to listen more than you come to speak. Why? Because it is a serious thing to enter into the worship of the triune God the God of the universe. It is a serious and a joyful thing to come and to be in the presence of God. And when we recognize the seriousness and the joy, we come into God's presence and we say, Lord, would you speak? We've come into your presence. We recognize your glory. We recognize your goodness. And we want to hear a word from you now, Lord. That is the purpose of us gathering together is to hear a word from the Lord, to let the Lord speak, to let the Lord talk. That's why we come together, to hear our God speak to us. This is very serious and this is very joyful. Jude verse 24 says this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. That's what Jude says in verse 24. Think about that. Coming into the presence of God with great joy. Now, the great joy that we experience being in the presence of God does not diminish 
one tiny little bit the great glory of our God. It does not reduce at all his incredible majesty. You know, one of the beautiful pictures that we have God sitting in his glory comes to us from the prophet Isaiah in the sixth chapter. Isaiah is taken up to the throne room of God and God is sitting there in all of his glory and God is so abundantly glorious that even the angels who are around him need to cover their face because it's too much to look at the great glory of our God. Jude is not detracting one ounce from the all-surpassing glory of God, but he's saying this. He's saying those who are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ experience not fear or trembling when they stand in God's presence, but great joy. They acknowledge his incredible glory. That's what the one who, does, who stands in God's presence does. They acknowledge his incredible glory and they worship him for it. But recognizing the glory of God also, also means that we recognize we need to let him speak and we need to listen. You know, I've been, I, was, I was searching for an analogy to try to explain this and there are there are very few that work, frankly, because God is all-surpassingly glorious, and any kind of glory that we know in this world is so infinitesimally small compared to the all-surpassing glory of God. But let me, let me take a stab at it. So my favorite preacher to listen to is a preacher named Tim Keller. And two years ago, I had the chance to meet Tim Keller, and I had the chance to speak to him. I got to go to a little thing with just a few pastors. He was talking to us, and so during one of the breaks, I was extremely nervous, right? I had a bit of fear. And so I told my friends, I was like, I... I'm going to go talk to him. And they're like, only you, Derek, is what they said. I guess nobody else had the, had the guts to try to go and talk to Tim Keller, despite the fact he's just a man, right? And so I went and I, I introduced myself and I said hello. And for about two, three minutes, I got to talk to my favorite preacher, Tim Keller. And I was a little bit afraid, you know, being in his presence. Why? Because he's somebody that brings the word of God in a powerful sort of way. And recognizing the gravity of that situation of, of being able to meet a, God, a man of God like that, it would have been foolish for me to meet him and be like, guess what, I've got this juicy bit of gossip, Tim Keller. He wouldn't have cared, right? Tim Keller doesn't want to hear about any of the gossip that might be going on. Instead, I wanted to meet him and then I wanted to hear some of his wisdom. So I asked some questions. He answered and that was that, right? It's a tough analogy because God is infinitely greater than is Tim Keller, Right? But what this is saying is, if we were to stand in the glory of God, it'd be so foolish of us to then be like, hey God, I've got this, I got this bit of gossip, you've got to hear this. God doesn't want to hear that. If you're in God's presence, if you're in God's presence, you should be like, Lord, would you please now speak a word to me? And then Listen. He's in heaven. We are on earth. Therefore, we need to let our words be few when we're in his presence. And we need to listen. We need to listen. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message on the topic of gratitude. If you're not serious when you meet with God, you won't be joyful either. 
if you're not serious, you won't be joyful either. It's the seriousness that we have before God that leads to the joy that we have before God. Seriousness in worship is what leads to joy in worship. It's when we take the one whom we are worshiping very seriously and then don't take ourselves very seriously that we have great joy as we experience the seriousness of being in the presence of God. It's a serious thing to enter into worship in the presence of the God of the universe. And the reason that sometimes we think that maybe seriousness and joy can't go together is that we have probably worshipped with those who take themselves very seriously and not seriously enough take their God. That take themselves very seriously and don't take the gospel seriously enough. If we come into God's presence and we take God seriously and we take the gospel seriously and we don't take ourselves overly seriously, do you know what there is there? Joy at being in the presence of our glorious God as we hear from him and listen. The Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, has enabled us to be in his presence, in his glorious presence, listening with great joy. Watch your mouth, fear God, and rejoice. Now, before I go on to the second part of the sermon, let me just say a few things first. Uh, Here's the first one. Don't listen to this and think, you know, I've got to keep my words few, and so I'm not going to sing now when I'm in God's presence. That's not what the passage is telling us to do. The passage is not saying, you know, come into God, let your words be few, so don't sing because you're wasting your words. You only got a few of them. Don't waste them on singing. That's not what the passage is saying. No. Sing, okay? He's telling us to refrain from useless talk when we're in his presence, from speaking overmuch and from playing the fool. But God commands us to sing in his presence. So sing when you are in God's presence. Don't let this be like, you know what? I am out for that last song. Or you know what? Songs one and three and five I'll sing, but songs two and four I'll take a break so I don't overmuch use words. That's not what it's saying, right? Sing when we're together. Here's the second thing that this passage is not saying. It's not saying, you know... I want to let my words be few in God's presence, so I'm going to leave his sanctuary. I'm not going to greet anyone. That would be a waste of words. That's not what this passage is saying. It's telling us to refrain from useless words, from foolish words. But I'll tell you what well-chosen words are whenever we're in God's house. Words of welcome, words of hospitality, words of Christian friendship, words of love. Let's choose words of fellowship and friendship and love as we speak to each other today. Let's choose good words. And third, third, and most importantly, don't leave today thinking, you know, if I just worship God the right sort of way, as described here in Ecclesiastes 5, then I'm set, right? That God will accept me then if I only worship the way that's described in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. That's not what the pastor is telling us either. No, Christ accepts us and then gives to us the privilege of worshiping him in the way that he calls us to worship him. God accepts us in Christ through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then says, now it is your privilege to worship me in the way that I say that I should be worshipped. Don't think that your worship is what makes you acceptable to God. No. It's God who has made you acceptable by the blood of his son and then calls you to worship him as he has commanded. And you know the way that we can do this? Do you know the way that we can choose our words rightly and well? We can do this by Jesus Christ. Here's the reason. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says this, that he was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. You see, Christ is our example of this. Christ always 
let his words be few. He chose his words carefully and well. He spoke only when it was necessary and good for him to do that. Even when his oppressors were, were commanding him to speak, even when he may have been able to, to try to get out of, of death on a cross by saying some things or trying to lay out his case, he was silent, right? And it was for our sake. It was so that he could be silent as he approached the cross, as he approached his own slaughter for our sake. It's so that he would bear our sins, And in Christ's silence on our behalf and because of his death on the cross on our behalf, he has now enabled you and me to draw near to God and then listen and to recognize, God, you are great and I am not, so I will let my words be few and I will listen. So first, watch your mouth. And second, do your work. Here's the second portion of this, verses verses four through six. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? So second part of this message, do your work. Verses three through six, pick up on that language of of talking and foolishness and develop it. And they relate it to, to vow making, to work. A big part of Old Testament worship was coming into God's presence and then making vows in his presence. In the book of Leviticus, that's referenced four different times about coming into God's presence for worship and making a vow in his presence. The Psalms talk about it in seven different Psalms. It talks about making a vow before God as a part of our worship to him. We still make vows today, don't we, in the course of worship? It may be that that it works this way. It may not be formal vows that would have been made in the Old Testament, but sometimes when we come to God's house and we are struck by his spirit or convicted by his word, we recognize that there is a way that we should be living that we are not yet living. And we say in our heart, Lord, I'm going to start living that way. I'm going to start living with grace and generosity and kindness. I'm going to start caring about those who are, are less fortunate than I am. I'm going to start showing as much kindness as I can to other people. And, and so we are struck by the word of God and we make a vow in our heart to do that. And then we go home and we just forget about it, right? Or sometimes we come into God's house and we are struck by our sin and we think, Lord, I have been living this way. I am going to live this way no more. I've been struggling with this or that sin. I have been greedy. I have been selfish. My eyes have looked at that which they should not look, and I vow before you right now that I'm going to stop. And then we go home and we forget about it, right? We don't keep our vow before the Lord. What this portion of scripture is telling us is if you make that vow, do that vow. You see, the Christian life is is very simple and very challenging. It's a simple and a challenging life, this Christian life. It's simple because the concept of the Christian life, they are often not that hard for us to grasp, right? The concept in this portion of scripture, if you say you're going to do something, do that thing you say you're going to say. That's not a difficult concept for us to understand, right? Do what you say you're going to do. Don't do what you say you're not going to do. Not a difficult concept for us to grasp, but it is a very challenging concept for us to live out. It's like that with a lot of different things. You know, you want to, you want to develop your upper body strength and just every day with, uh, you know, with rest now and again, you just do a bunch of chin-ups, do a bunch of push-ups, and you will grow in your upper body strength. It's very simple, but it's very challenging, right? Because not, not many of us do it. It's hard. It's that way with a Christian life. It's simple for us to understand what it is that we need to do. It's difficult for us to execute. This is the way of the Christian life. So how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we keep our vows that we make before God? How do we determine in our heart that we will live this way and not that way? And then do what we determine that we will do. 
Well, we do it by our Savior, Jesus Christ. We do it by his example. We do it through his salvation. You know, Christ finished the work that he came to do, that he set out to do. As he approached the end of his life in John chapter 17, he prays what's often called Christ's high priestly prayer. And in John chapter 17, he says this. He affirms before his father that he accomplished all the work that he was sent to do. He was sent by the father to live a perfect life and then to die on our behalf and he accomplished all of that work. He vowed to do his father's work and he was obedient to it, submitting himself even to death on a cross and in so doing, he has forgiven you and forgiven me, forgiven all who trust in Jesus Christ for all of those times that we have failed to keep the vows that we've made before him. And he has given us the power by the Holy Spirit of God to do those things we say we're going to do. And so rejoice that you have been forgiven by the work of Christ who was faithful in all of his vows, faithful in all of his work, went to the cross to prove that he was faithful to the uttermost for you and me and all who trust in Jesus Christ. And then accept the power of the Spirit to keep the vows that you have made to the Lord. He's redeemed you. He's saved you. Now keep the vows that you've made. Watch your mouth. Do your work and fear God. This is one of the keys to the book of Ecclesiastes. Let me read this last verse for us here. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. When dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. When we started out our sermon series through the book of Ecclesiastes, everybody got one of these bookmarks. We have more on the info table if you want to take one for yourself after the service. And it talks about the five keys to the book of Ecclesiastes. And you might notice that two of those keys come together in verse seven right here. The first is what the preacher has been doing all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, taking a look at so many things under the sun and saying that is vanity. An increase in words and an increase in fitful dreams, that is vanity. But then... Then the preacher gives to us a word from God. Fear God is what he tells us. There are a couple portions in the book of Ecclesiastes. So much of the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher is taking a look at this world under the sun, considering everything apart from revelation from God. And there are a couple striking portions in the book of Ecclesiastes where like a lightning bolt, a word from the Lord comes down and gives to us the key to understanding this life that we live. A key to living well in this brief confusing, beautiful life that the Lord has given to us. And here is that key that sometimes comes and illuminates things gloriously. Fear God. Give to to God all of the reverence that's due his name. Stand in awe before God. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Recognize that God is in heaven and that we are here on earth. Acknowledge that he is glorious and that We simply are not. Recognize that he is from everlasting to everlasting and that our life goes by like that. Notice and affirm that he is holy and that we are sinful. Trust him alone for salvation. Fear God. This is the key to life. God is the one that you must fear. I want to call us all to do that. If you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ yet, today is the day of salvation. Believe in him. Fear God. Recognize that Christ and Christ alone saves and trust in him. Fear God. I want to call all of us who already know Jesus Christ to this this morning. Fear God. Trust him. 
Don't trust your own might or power or strength or ability or wealth or popularity or prestige. Trust and fear God. For this is the key to life. Life is fleeting. Life is confusing. Life is challenging. It is difficult. It's impossible for us to understand. It is inscrutable. And yet God fills this world with meaning when we fear God. So stand in awe of him. Fear God and worship. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we pray that we would fear your name. We pray that we would acknowledge that there is a God, that you are he, and that you are God and that we are not. Help us to stand in awe of you. Help us to believe in your Son. Help us to trust in your name. Help us to watch our mouth, to do our work, and to fear you. All this we pray in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month, we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com.